All right. So uh, this is on Daniel 2. So those of you with a Bible and those of you with a Bible on your phone, please open to the second chapter of Daniel. There's a couple of places where I'm going to be asking you to read. So uh, please be ready when I send out the hue and cry. And then Ellen's going to hand you the microphone. And if you have any questions, raise your hand. I'll call on you. And Ellen will bring you the microphone, but we want everybody at, at home to be able to play as well. Here's the agenda for the day. In this part of Daniel, they talk about four earthly kingdoms. And then they talk about what broke the four earthly kingdoms. And I kind of give you a hint here, the stone. What fomented the divided final kingdom that led to Christendom? The eternal kingdom, and I have a few other references in there. I didn't, I didn't try to take too much thunder from the folks that are going to follow me that talk about Daniel 7, for example. But I do allude to a couple of the things, uh, just to whet your appetite. What was Nebuchadnezzar's response to this, in, to this dream interpretation? A verse for meditation, what's the bottom line to this whole section of Daniel 2? And then we have a couple of thought questions. So here's the introduction. Um, it's based on Daniel 23 through 45. Uh, Babylon's king Nebuchadnezzar had this four-part dream, <clears throat> and it's about a statue. And it deeply troubled him and caused him all kinds of angst. He was not able to sleep. Uh, Daniel and the magicians were, first of all, the other magicians, sorcerers, and others, astrologers, were called in. One, tell me my dream. Well, how do I know your dream? How can I interpret your dream if I don't even know your dream, right? But if you're really the sorcerer you say you are, then you will know what my dream is. You'll know what my dream is, and uh, uh, you'll be able to interpret it. They were not able to do it. He called in the captain of the guard, said, hey, we're going we're gonna to kill all you guys for not being the sorcerers, magicians, etc. that you say you are. Daniel heard about this, and he was, he was put into that camp, even though he wasn't one of the guys called in. So he went back to his fellow uh, Jews, and they prayed about it. And Daniel, before the execution was to occur, talked to the captain of the garden and says, Hey, listen, uh, my God has, has bestowed on me this gift, and I think I can tell you what the dream is, and I can interpret it. He goes, Oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, he went to the king, and the king says, Hey, uh, okay, give him a shot. Hey, can everybody over here see the screen? Am I in the way or anything? Okay, so Daniel gets this audience with Nebuchadnezzar. How did Daniel get this audience with the king? Who can read Daniel 2, 24 through 26? It's only three verses. Anybody? whoever that is. The captain of the guard, yeah. Okay. Whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell you the, can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel also uh, 
called Belshazzar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, No, no wise man, even enchanter, magician, or diviner, can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. Do I keep going? Oh, that's fine. That's fine. I, it, that answers the second question. What is this answer to this? When we introduced it, who does, who does Daniel give credit to for the interpretation and the understanding of the dream? Okay, what's the Sunday school to answer? Yeah, <laughs> That's right, God. He gives credit to God. All the other sorcerers are saying that they have the ability to do this inherently. He says, I can do this through God. Okay, so what was the dream that Daniel interpreted? Uh, that kept the king up at night. Uh, it was basically this, this giant statue. Giant statue of four parts and then a, kind of a four and a half part down here at the bottom. The first part was the head of gold. And he said that represents your kingdom. Uh, now these other names here are, are historic interpretations of what he said. Because at the time he didn't know these were the kingdoms, right? The second part was the arms and the chest of silver. Uh, Media Persia or Medo Persian Empire is what that is called. Uh, and that's probably why there's the two arms. The two parts of that empire were that way. And then later in time, uh, the Persians actually took over uh, the Medes as well. The waste of brass. That was Alexander the Great, Greece, legs of iron, that was Rome. Some people say it might be something else. And the feet of iron and clay, which is like a divided Europe of you know, 500 A.D. to the present time frame. And then this final interpretation that we'll get to later. Um, this other depiction here uh, in color uh, talks a little bit more about it, but it says who the leaders were, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Um, the, and the lion was the representation of that, or the, the winged lion, actually, uh, back in the time, if you look at their coinage and some of the inscriptions on their buildings. The bear was the representation of this, this group here, uh, the Persian Empire, going down to uh, the belly and thighs of the Greek was the leopard. It was also a winged leopard, and it had four heads. Four heads, sorry. Um, and, and that was representative. The reason why that animal was picked was that that was representative of how fast Alexander the Great swept through this whole area. And I'm going to show you the areas in just a second. But he swept through it so fast that it was representative of a, of a winged leopard, basically. And then that kingdom kind of broke into four uh, piece parts, and that's why they, in some representations, you'll see the four-headed leopard with the wings, right? And then the final one, uh, the Roman Empire was known as the dragon or the beast, and uh, we have some depictions of that. And then when you get down to the bottom part, the toes and the feet, you know, there's ten toes, right? 
And you're like, well, okay, why would there be ten toes or whatever? But here it is. The kingdoms, the, the possible ten toes. Now, remember, this guy was writing back uh, like 150 uh, B.C., right? So there, there's no way uh, that he could have forecast these ten countries, but there they are, the ten, the ten toes of where the... Uh, and then this part of the body was known as uh, brittle clay with iron. So it was both. It was a mixture of both. So it's kind of unstable, right? When you mix in <laughs> clay next to iron, you... You know, the iron doesn't always hold up the clay part, right? Let's go through some of these kingdoms. Uh, the, first one, the first empire was Babylon, 605 to 539. Uh, you can see back in that day and age, that was the world. I mean, back in that time frame. And look how big this is. This is a huge kingdom considering it's a bunch of tribal peoples. Um, the verses that are in... This the talk about this empire was the head of the statue is made of gold. Go down to verse 36. This was a dream, and now I will interpret it for the king. You're the king of kings. God of heaven has given you dominion, power, and might over everything, just like in Adam and Eve's time, right? God has given dominion over power and over the animals, the kingdom, the people, the whatever. Um, it's in your hands, and he has placed this mankind... Uh, place mankind in the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. He's made you ruler of them all. You are the head of gold. Now, uh, he may have been a sycophant because uh, he's sitting there in front of a king that could execute him, but he, he did say this. And, and of course, the king is like kind of relieved that, oh, okay, yeah, that's me. That's great. Um, some other commentary about this besides the dates, who were the kings or the leaders? Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar all the way to Bel. Bel Shazar. There's the lion with the eagle's wings on currency and architecture. And then when did this empire end? It's when the Persian uh, Empire ended uh, when Cyrus conquered Babylon in 539. Any questions about this? Any historians in here that I should be looking at when I'm saying these comments? Second Empire. Uh, this is the Medo-Persian Empire, so the Medes and the Persians. Um, the verse that talks about this, and, I, and for those of you who got these slides from me on email, uh, these other facts here, it's a lot of wordiness, but uh, I put that in there so you could look it up later at home if you wanted to do further research or, and you're, or you're one of the people that's going to be talking about this in a future Sunday School lesson. It's the chest and arms of silver. After you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Once again, that may have been the sycophant and Daniel saying, uh, it'll be inferior. You'll, no one will be as good as you, right? But if you note, um, as, as I say over here, this new kingdom is even bigger than the one before, than Babylon. And it's the Medes and the Persian empires that combined. King Cyrus was the real leader uh, all the way to King Darius the third. Um, and it kind of looks like a bear laying on its back, right? But the, the symbol of this time frame was uh, a bear devouring much flesh, in quotes, uh, military expansion throughout the ancient world, one of the biggest ones ever to occur. And, uh, it's, and then it was, it was uh, lost to the, the Greek empire of Alexander the Great, who conquered Persia in 333 B.C. Any questions about this? Yeah. 
The what? You don't think it's a bear? Well, right here. The back's here. The nose is here. You know. And, and, I, and I do shadows, too. This is a dog. The Third Empire that was spoken of uh, from 333 B.C. to 129 B.C. is the Greek Empire. Uh, the parts of the verses in this second chapter say its belly and thighs were of bronze. Uh, this third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Well, the whole earth. Well, think about the known earth at the time and where there was actually settlement and people were fishing and trading and whatever. This is even bigger than the last one, so it's even larger than Persia. And it, and it stretches out into Europe and over here into Africa. Um, it's an... What? Right, in Africa, right? <laughs> okay. Um, and then, like I said earlier, the leopard with wings for the speed of the conquest is why that's a symbol of Alexander the Great's uh, military ventures. Uh, the Greek Empire weakened upon Alexander's death. So, you know, what happened to this empire? Alexander died. He divided it among his four generals. They each had a section. When you divide, you can be divided and conquered, right? So, um, and the last of these generals slash kings of the four parts of, the, of this empire uh, was killed in 129 B.C. Any questions about this? Fourth Empire. Okay, this is where the um, interpretation, depending on which guy you're looking at historically, I mean, uh, which uh, author, because there's, there's a lot of commentary about this, but m the majority, the vast majority of the, uh, the authors that have commented on this and who this fourth kingdom could be, uh, say it's Rome. Right, and from our uh, Judeo-Christian perspective, it definitely is Rome, but there's others in here. Going to the verses, it says it had legs of iron and feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. Going down to verse 40, finally there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron smashes everything, and as iron breaks things into pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes are partly of baked clay and partly of iron. So this kingdom will be a divided kingdom. Partly strong, partly brittle. And the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. So I would point out again, remember, uh, the first kingdom was this. Second kingdom was this. Third kingdom was a little bit into here. And then this kingdom spans all the way up here to Hadrian's Wall and all the way over here to, across North Africa. So it was a powerful kingdom. It was larger than the Greek Empire for, for sure. Who ruled it? The Caesars did. Um, now remember, two legs, right? So there's, there were two parts to the kingdom is why this is in symbology as I understand it. Um, at some point, this, this Roman kingdom split in two. There was a Latin western part and the Greek-speaking eastern part, and they divided in 285 A.D. Um, so it was basically strong at first under 
under the first Caesars that took over became weaker over time as they assimilated all these disparate peoples that didn't have the same societal mores, they didn't have the same societal feelings, uh, there wasn't the con congeniality between the different peoples, and it was spread way out, and there was no internet at the time. Um, some of the authors did say, and I alluded to this earlier, that this, this uh, fourth empire could have been the Parthenian rule, or it could have been the Islamic Ottoman Empire, which could be another reason why this was a weak uh, empire. Because there are these other major forces that were out there doing stuff in the near simultaneous time frames, right? Uh, and they're usually on the edge of the other kingdom. But there's a question? Yeah. No, but later in the time frame. Uh, go ahead and ask your question again. So my concern is that I see that one ends in 476, but the Islam is uh, founding was in 600 sometime. Yeah. So this would be 125 years in advance of that. Mm -hmm. And that, I was thinking just that thing when I made this slide, and that's why I put Rome here. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Dr. Tom. Um, some of the commentary, uh, oh, right here. Uh, what was it represented by animal-wise? And it was represented by a dragon-type beast with ten horns and multiple rows of teeth made of iron, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was the, it was the most uh, feared of the animals so far that we've ever seen. Um, what could have, what could have uh, caused its weakness? Some of the, a lot of the commentators said that it was weakened from within, it had moral decay, dis discontinuity of the peoples and their mores, and perversions. Uh, and and the, if you've studied ancient Rome at all, you kind of know that's the kind of thing that happened. So, any other questions on this slide? All right. So, as I'm doing this research for this, I, I came across something that was interesting. Um, this is a depiction of the, the dragon beast with the ten horns and the rows of iron teeth. And I mentioned the, the ten toes. So here it is, ten toes, ten horns. Um, and I, I was wondering, what would the new Rome look like? I mean, after Rome is no longer the thing it was, but it kind of reconstitutes itself. What would the new Rome look like? Where would it be? Uh, a lot of commentators said it's, it's probably the European Union. I'm not going to go too much into this, but here's what Daniel 7 says. I, whoever's Daniel 7 later on in the year, I'm sorry, but I, I'm just going to allude to it, and then you can cover this in more detail when it's your turn. Um, fourth, uh, fourth beef is different than all the others. Most terrifying, iron teeth, bronze claws, crushed and devours its victims, trampled underfoot whatever was left. Ten horns are the ten kings of the kingdom. Okay. But then you go over here, and, and if, who counted the stars in this European Union thing? Depiction. Their symbol. Are there 12? Well, I think it's... Let me see. Uh, well, okay. I picked the wrong graphic, but <laughs> earlier graphics had 10, and I can't count late at night. Anyway, but there just is... Whether it's 10 or 12, don't miss the point. The point is, is that this is a reconstitution of what would have been the Roman Empire. 
um, 27 countries are actually in the EU, not 10 or 12, right? And 19 of them share a common currency. Um, and remember how we talked about how the, the feet were unstable because it's half clay and brittle and whatever? Well, these are, I mean, there's still disagreements today. I mean, you think, let's form the United States of Europe kind of thing, right? And you look at it, there's a European debt crisis in 2008, north-south issues, you know, hey, the German currency is worth this, the Greek currency is worth nothing, but you're the same currency, how does that work out? They're still kind of resolving some of those issues. Um, and then there's the Brexit, they, they, uh, the British voted to exit the EU, in 2016, it didn't fully take effect till 2020. So that is basically the feet and toes of clay. And it's, this is not in the Bible, but this is my uh, interesting side note. So where are we now? Okay, so here we are. Uh, today, from 476 AD to, to now, we had this conglomeration of different things, either under the EU or under the UN or under some other international world economic forum. All these people, but they don't all agree on the same thing. And a lot of the people that are subordinate to the people that are representing us at these things are also disagree. I mean, why should they fly over there to tell me I can't fly in a plane or drive a car or whatever? So we still have those disagreements even today. Possible near future, going back to Daniel 2, is this. A stone was cut without human hands that demolishes this statue. A little more detail. And this is also our thought verse, or thematic verse from this, right here. It's Daniel 2, 44 through 45. And it, well, does someone else want to read this? Okay, great. Daniel 2, 44, 45. Uh, I'm going to get a little audience participation and a round of applause if you read it well. And the days of the... And the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which, will, which shall never be destroyed. You saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. And that it was broken in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Thank you. Round of applause right here. Oh. <laughs> A little gratification there. Thank you. So, all these kingdoms that take over all the known world every no couple hundred years... Uh, come down to this, and this is, you know, you're, you're like, well, how does this end? I mean, what's the next kingdom, right? This is how it ends, according to Daniel and his pro prophetic word to Nebuchadnezzar. This stone, now we're going to talk a little bit about what is this? What is this stone that comes out of nowhere and breaks a statue? Or who is this stone? Right here. So I did a little extra reading outside of Daniel 2. Matthew 21, 44. The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it's, it's marvelous, 
uh, in your eyes. Going back to verse 43. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. But on whomever it falls, it will uh, scatter him like dust. So here it is. Breaking the statue down, scattering it like dust. So what is God going to do to these earthly kingdoms? Psalms 2, uh, 8 through 9. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall scatter them or shatter them like earthenware. So another part of the Bible that kind of alludes to what is being said in Daniel. Let's compare and contrast these two different kingdoms. Uh, or the four over here, and then this kingdom of God that's projected in, in Daniel at the end of Daniel 2. The kingdoms of man are fashioned from various metals. They're finite in size. At the end, they're blown away like chaff, and each replaces the other one. Going to this kingdom of God that's projected after the stone smashes all these other empires for good, it's a stone cut without human hands. It grows over time. What it says in the verses is that after, it's, after the dust is scattered, it piles up into a mountain, the biggest mountain on the earth, right? So, it gathers to itself. It endures forever, and it crushes all the others. Um, who would like to read John 18, 36? Ellen? <laughs> oh, he's had the microphone. That's good. Sure. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Thank you. How about a round of applause for Ellen? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh sorry. So, okay, so getting back to the story, and you say, well, okay, well, what happened to Daniel afterwards, right? I mean, he interprets the king's dream and, and what happens. So, Nebuchadnezzar falls on his face and pays homage to Daniel, gives orders to present him an offering and fragrant incense. Note, the king was awed by this interpretation and that he even knew the dream in the first place, much less could interpret it, but he was not converted yet, and we'll see that in the next couple of chapters, right? What does he do for Daniel? He promoted him, many great gifts. He made him the ruler over the whole province of Babylon, chief prefect over all the wise men in Babylon. And also the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego guys, they, began, they ended up becoming the provincial leads for each of the three parts of Babylon at the time. So they were out running the show. He was in the castle uh, helping the king and running that show. Any questions about this? No. Thought questions. This is where... I'd like you guys to, to tell me what you think or ask me further questions. What does the great image, whose brightness was excellent, 
and for was a terrible, and what did it symbolize? What terribleness did it symbolize? Anybody? So I, the answer was man's reliance on himself. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? No. <laughs> Anybody else have a comment or a different interpretation or something else they heard in Sunday school somewhere else? No? As, as I was reading, I noticed that the, um, the people that Nebuchadnezzar called into his court to interpret the dream, the, one of the interesting things is they answered him in Aramaic. Mm. And, I, and I saw, why were they talking to him in Aramaic? Unless they were uh, from Judah. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't catch that until uh, last night. Hmm. Um, also, the stone that is not cut by human hands has, has to be Christ. Yeah. Has to be something out of this world, something heavenly. And, and then the other thing that I was struck by is Daniel didn't take credit for anything. That's true. And he... He um, gave all of the credit to God. And then what was interesting was, is that he, in a very gentle, diplomatic, tactful, political sort of way, put Nebuchadnezzar in his place and said, you have all of this power, but you got all this power from God. That is and true. I was going, ooh. That's, and, he, and Nebuchadnezzar uh, has several confessions in the book. This was the first one where he said, well, this God is the great God. This God is the all-knowing God. This is a God that can interpret the dream. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time that Daniel points to God and Nebuchadnezzar recognizes God. Doesn't last long right. in the story of things, but um, it's, all about, it's all about God and his power. You get the star for the Sunday School Preparation Award. In, in the commentary that I was reading, Tom, um, they went as far as to say that Daniel may have been Jew, may have been a Jew, and that fits with what you had read about. He may, may have been from Judah. Well, yes, he was. Yes. Yeah. But the others, the others before that were called to Nebuchadnezzar, they were talking to him in Aramaic. That's right. Because he so may have been Jew. Word, you're reading the text, at least in the NIV. And so different, mm -hmm. different uh, versions of the Bible might have different wording. But I don't know why they would skip that word. Yeah, but, and if you go back to what we studied before, uh, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel that didn't eat the king's food. It didn't say that the rest of the Jews that got brought in didn't do that, right? So... Uh, the four that ascribed to what God's rules and laws were at the time were those four. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. All right, second question. What do the clay feet symbolize, and what are the clay feet in our civilization? 
kind of alluded to this earlier, but just to make sure you got that part. Okay, who's heard the term feet of clay? What does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Waffling, right? So maybe that's a lesson for us. I mean, at the empire level, at the national, at the international level, feet of clay mean unstable, and it means that your kingdom's going to fall. What's that mean for us individually, perhaps? secular environment that we we are living in mm-hmm yep and not to succumb to it right or not <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so there is this pressure from the societies of the world and our local society our national society that are they're pressuring us to to make go ahead Tom I've, I got this idea um, in, in my short little attention span of life, I've heard it said that if you don't stand for something, then you fall for anything. Right. And so maybe that's the lack of moral uh, strength and courage. Yeah. Say, Sean, uh, he needs the mic. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Thank you. I think the uh, clay feet can also mean temporary. Mm -hmm. I like the, uh, remember the verses that say, uh, earth, our houses on earth are all earthly tents, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not until we get to the eternal house, which is not made by heaven. Mm -hmm. And here, the same thing, you have talk, you talk about the clay feet, which is all temporary on earth, mm -hmm. and you talk about the stone cut by not human hand, just like the eternal house is not by human hand, but it's eternal in the heaven. Thank eternal you. Eternal in the heaven. Thank you. And the gospel, according to the band Kansas, says all we are is dust in the wind. No, there is no gospel according to Kansas, but that is a group from the 70s, you know. Um, many people believe that Christianity will triumph because of the moral character of good Christian people. What does the phrase, a stone cut by no human hand, seem to symbolize? Grace is a good answer. And, and what do you, Grace was the answer from earlier without a microphone. Um, but, uh, so, not cut by human hands. That means it's cut by what kind of hands? Here, Ellen, are here. We have an answer at the front. Oh. Unearthly, or God-like, or God-created. Exactly. It, it's... If it's not cut by human hands, it is, it is God's part of God's creation. Mm -hmm. True. So would we say that uh, Jesus was created by God or by man, or was he cut by 
human hands or no we wouldn't <laughs> yeah right we would say that jesus uh, was part of the trinity but we would also say that he is the completion of god true and the completion of man and earth mm-hmm. and the new millennium perhaps Are there any other comments about these questions or possible other interpretations? Just one other thing to say about this this great image and clay to, uh, feet of clay and all of the rest is that I think Daniel was um, pointing all of us toward um, the eternal and not the temporal. And... Um, it is like us to look at what is temporal for um, security, for belief in strength. You know, we've got the mightiest army. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be afraid of anybody else. Good point. And it is always so wrong. And that was true for the people of Babylon mm-hmm. at that time. They were able to conquer, but it's not going to last. Correct. Yep. Any other comments? And that concludes my uh, presentation. So, um, is there anything that I covered that you want to clarify further? Anyone? And uh, my apologies to those who are going to go in the next couple of classes, because I may have covered some of your material, but in my, I was trying to whet your appetite for what they were going to present that's in more detail than what was in this dream itself. So, Well, you all have been a great, uh, great group, and I appreciate it. Um, let's end with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for opening our ears, hearts, and minds to your message that you win in the end. And we thank you for that, Lord, that you're always there for us. Imbue us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to go out from this place and to be your ambassadors everywhere we go. And we thank you for this lesson. In Jesus' name, amen.